Hello, beautiful people. Before we get started, I need to thank some new Patreon patrons. Thank you, Sam Bergman and Keith Douglas Schauble. I don't know these people. These are strangers to me, and they're supporting the show, which makes me feel absolutely fantastic. I am so happy to have you both as patrons to join the other phalanx. Let's call it a phalanx. That's not a term that gets used very often. A phalanx of patrons now to the original cast podcast. I am thrilled beyond... This sounds sarcastic. I have trouble sounding sincere, and I apologize. Which is hard to do because I have trouble sounding sincere. Want to get thanked on the podcast? Take yourself down to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and wave through a window to the original cast. There are a few tiers of patronage, but they all come with access to our bonus monthly podcast, The Original Cast at the Movies. Our pilot episode on Moulin Rouge is available now on this feed so you can sample before you buy. New patron-only episodes are released on the 27th of each month. June's movie is the Spice Girls 1997 film Spice World. You heard me. Again, patreon.com slash originalcastpod. The following episode was recorded at Broadway Records. Go to broadwayrecords.com to view and purchase from their extensive catalog of cast albums, solo albums, and live recordings. This week's randomly selected Broadway Records release found by scrolling through my phone is... Who's Your Bag Daddy? Or How I Started the Iraq War, the original cast recording featuring Tony nominee Ethan Slater. Again, go to broadwayrecords.com and check out all the wonderful releases on sale today. All right, ready? Yeah. All right, so the recorders <clears throat> are going now, so you're being recorded. Cool. So everything you say will be used against you. In a court of Broadway. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a comedian and the Broadway baby himself. It's Alex Fasella, everybody. Hi, everybody. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. We are here at Broadway Records yeah. in Times Square, looking at some lovely recordings they have available behind you. Beautiful. I see Bandstand. I see Jessica Vox. Yep. She follows me on Twitter and I'm really <gasps> happy about it. Look at you. Yes. Oh, my god. I was like, gosh. your cover of Nobody's Side Bangs. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks real hard. Oh, it's so great. Dippy yeah. here at Broadway Records. Thank you, Robbie Rizal and uh, Van Dean, for letting me use this space to talk about Waitress. Opening up, letting it day over a cup, we'll say hello. How you been looking around, seeing the same things every day? Waitress. I could do another Waitress. one up. Ooh. No, no, I'm good. Waitress. No. First choice, best choice. Okay. Let's, you know, let's not say Felt no. real. It's improv. Yes, and <laughs> So, um, how did Waitress come into your life? So, uh, I, as as you know, I don't know if a lot of your listeners know my Broadway origin story. Uh, I thought I hated musicals until I was 30, and then a switch went off. I'm like, oh, I love them. Uh-oh. <laughs> I've wasted Uh-oh. so much time. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And so I better I, catch up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I started a podcast with my friend Kimberly from Broadwasted because she had seen me post a lot on Twitter about musicals and she's like, oh, so you were clearly a theater kid. I'm like, no, I wasn't. And I kind of deeply regret that. Mm. She's like, really? How do you know all this stuff? I was like, oh, because I've been just burning through shows to make up for lost time. She was, oh, let's start a show where we like yeah. educate you every week. And so Waitress was like the fifth or so show that I found just on my on my own. Mm. Uh, the first one was Avenue Q, then Book of Mormon hair hamilton and then the floodgates open and then waitress was the first show i actually saw live as for my return i see to where i should have been this whole time okay and it was because uh i i knew of sarah borellis i knew that one song love song which i really liked but i hadn't heard any of it and then uh jason mraz and sarah were going to be the leads yeah on broadway Mm -hmm. and so my friend mallory goes hey i'm obsessed with jason mraz uh do you want to go see this with me and i was like yeah i've been meaning to check that out Mm -hmm. and then i saw it and i just fell in love with it immediately and listened to the album a million times Mm -hmm. know most of the words and i really like sarah borellis in that role jason mraz was uh, good for the songs not as good in the scenes but not bad by any means was he the doctor yes okay yeah, but she was like, she she's, I've read a lot of, um, I read her book and she's really down on herself about her acting ability. I'm like, you gave like a really nuanced performance. <laughs> like, 
Well, she's, I mean, she shouldn't be because yeah. she keeps coming back. They she keep, keeps like, coming back. She's the well. It's like Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812. They just keep plugging her in when they don't. And then you have a gap, okay. and they just keep bringing her back in. Who do they keep plugging in for that? Show? Well, they used to, the author also. Oh, okay. Would, who, was who the original? Uh, oh God, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> it's Dave Malloy. Okay. <laughs> Through the magic of editing, you right. have no, no idea. idea how long it took me to but find his last thing. name. Uh, yeah, so he would he, he played it originally when they did it off Broadway, and then when they brought in um, Josh yeah. Groban, obviously he nicely stepped aside, but he played mm -hmm. it a bunch when Gr like, Gr yeah. Josh Groban went on uh, vacation and things like Chess's that. Chess's own Josh Groban. Yes, that's true. Chess and Concert's own Josh Groban. Mm -hmm. That's true. And if you'd like, if you haven't listened, and you should have by now, you can hear me on Broadway Baby talking, teaching all about chess. <laughs> <laughs> as much as one can understand and chess. chess, yes. And, and, and though... I think you were on the fence about it. Jay hates it with a fire of a thousand suns. I like so. the first half, and then I'm like, uh, you boys lost. What's happening? Uh, there's treachery, but I don't know who or of what. And also there's yogurt. What's, right. What is happening? There is a lot. Of, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yogurt. There's always yogurt. Yeah. Um, God, that seems weird. But, uh, <laughs> but like the Arbiter? That's, oh, that's so whole, good. Oh, that's great Love stuff. It. Um, so, yeah. that's. I mean, so Waitress is one of the newer shows we've done. On here yeah. in the show, but as I said before we started, you are new or new to this this uh, totally. field, so I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> so, for people who don't know, could you summarize the plot of Waitress? Sure. Waitress is about a woman who is in a very abusive marriage, and she's like a savant at making pies. She's like a genius pie maker, and she gets pregnant by the abusive husband, and she doesn't know what to do because she's like, oh no, now I'm really, really trapped in this terrible situation. So then she goes to her doctor, uh, who has been replaced by a younger doctor, uh, Drew Galing, in the uh, original, Jason Mraz, when yeah. I saw him. Uh, and then she starts to have an affair with this doctor and try to wrestle with what that means morally. Is she a bad person? Is she a good person in a tight spot? And the show keeps begging the question and adding more layers where you're like, I don't know. It seems like it's a better option, but it's just really, it's kind of a... Really fun mess, mm -hmm. the show. And I mean that not in terms of it doesn't make the sense. Story is, yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a, like really a quandary. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I should give any spoilers, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's too late. They <laughs> we can't not talk about She Used to Be Mine, so we're okay. going to give some spoilers. Yeah. Like, we're not going to stop three quarters of the way through yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean for the summary. Like, well, so spoil. Spoil. Okay, spoil. Okay. So then uh, she. Uh, I forget the actual. What happens in the plot? She's dating the doctor. Then the uh, then she has the baby, and she had gotten really close with the guy who owns the diner, who had hinted that like, hey, if I die, I might leave you some money. Right. And then he does die in the same hospital where she has the baby. So she gets the money, makes her own pie shop. But before then, once she meets her new baby, she just has this flip, uh, yeah, switch, flip, switch flips, where yeah. she's like, oh no, I hate my husband, I have to leave. And she tells him like, I want a divorce, I don't love you, you're a horrible person. Then the doctor's like, so we can be together, right? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I just kind of met your wife, and she seemed pretty cool. So, like, let's maybe stop the whole affair thing. And, like, I, I still like you, but I can never talk to you again. Right. And then everything works out, and they do a little Well, dance. or does it, but it is the, like, yes. she she has made herself, she's decided to yeah. be an person. She is making her person. own decisions now. Right, and she'll figure it out on her own, and exactly. she'll be just fine. And, yes, that is Whatever the... happens, she'll be okay. Have you ever seen the movie? Yes, but much later than I listened to the show. Oh, okay. So I saw it after. After you saw the show. Yeah, and I liked it, but I liked the musical more. Oh, really? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I just think, um, A, just because the songs speak to me so sure. much. Sure. Uh, no, that's exactly why. Mm -hmm. I just like the songs. That's fine. I enjoyed the movie, but yeah, I, yeah. I really, really like And also there's things even in the show, in the book, that I feel don't entirely work that without the songs and the conceit of it being a musical where kind of things can happen a little too quickly and you go with it in the mm. movie it just feels even weirder do you have an example like um so she and the doctor she they kind of don't like each other at first yeah and then they just start making out and now it's a thing right and now in a musical even in the musical i was like that's a little bit convenient and mm -hmm. then they're sweet together and you go with it right in the movie it just happens and then you're like all right i guess this is a thing right yeah. 2006 cinema we didn't Carrie and, Russell and Nathan Fillion. Folks. Yes, they're going at it totally. And uh, there's a particular scene in the movie that I, I I do like, but just always strikes me as so out of place with the rest of the film. Uh, I guess she she has sex with the doctor, and then she just like leaves the office with this big goofy smile on her face, and then she's in other scenes of her life with that same face just frozen while Cake's mm -hmm. short skirt long jacket plays. Sure. 
and it's it's good, it's but you're like, what? Well, it's the most 2006 thing that's ever happened. Yeah, is certainly, certainly. Yeah, the the internet yeah. smiling. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It, it is a. I was having this conversation recently with somebody else about what makes a good movie to adapt yeah. into a musical. Okay. Um, and certainly small movie seems to be yeah. better than big grand opus yeah. film. Anything where you're like, what do we do about all these set pieces? Yeah. Probably not Probably a great not idea. a great shot. Yeah. And so like Waitress and, and smaller films, like I mean it was a it was a hit film when it came out yeah. in two thousand six. It was, was like a, an indie hit. It's it a small like, independent movie. Yeah. And it's also um, about a few different characters in a couple of different rooms. Yes. It's a small story and, about and there are other families. plots obviously running running totally. through it. So it was written and directed by uh, Adrian Shelley, uh, the film, and uh, she also plays the character of Dawn, who is mm-hmm. the uh, smaller, mousier yeah. uh, yes. co-waitress, not to be confused with the larger, brassier waitress, yes. whose name is... Keila Settle in the musical? Yeah. I can't remember who it was in... Was it Christian Baranski in the movie? No, it, but it's it, you're 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 in the right right church, Ron okay. Pugh. It's um, <laughs> uh, who is that? Cheryl Hines. Okay, and um, all oh, right, Jeremy Sisto plays her husband. Andy Griffith plays the guy in the diner. That's oh, a good yeah. cast of a movie. And here. then of course Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion is the doctor. Nathan Fillion hot off of uh, this is hot off Firefly. Oh Nathan yeah, this is peak Nathan totally. Fillion. <laughs> Precastle. We all couldn't get enough. Right. There is a certain amount of tragedy around the film, though. I don't know if you were yes, aware of I that. Do. Yeah, that the the writer, director, and actor who played Dawn uh, was killed yep. not long after the movie came Barutally. out. Brutally. Yeah, and it was yes, a very very sad story. It was really 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 sad. Yeah. So. It has that kind of. There's a twinge of shat, sadness around the property, yes. which actually is, in an ironic way, appropriate for it to me. The, the musical more than the, the movie okay. is much more of a straight comedy to mm-hmm. me, romantic comedy, and yeah. it has moments of high drama in it, mm-hmm. but is strict, pretty much a romantic comedy. Yeah. The musical has a lot more moments of reflex, reflective drama built yes. into it, There's and more melancholy, and I feel that that's appropriate for yeah. the material but I wonder how much of that exists because the movie has this now this air about it air of tragedy as it is her only film and and yeah. it's a good it was a very good first feature you know mm-hmm. and she would have probably had a very interesting career um but I mean beyond this this, this, this thing of sadness around the movie yeah. for me that yeah and I wonder I, how much of that is connected to I don't it. think it's probably connect- I think it's always going to follow the show and that movie around but mm-hmm. I think honestly if she had lived, this show musically probably wouldn't be that much different. I think oh, I don't are, think so. Yeah, yeah, I these mean, are logical endpoints of pulling out sad moment and then blowing, blowing it up as up. you have yeah. to. So, I'm, and also I'm sure hiring they wanna... Sarah Bareilles to do it. I yes. mean, I think that's a a pretty logical. You know, she does write pop music, but she writes yeah, she writes dramatic. Pop Very music. much so. There's a lot yeah. of th- th- the main theme in her work is like I feel trapped, but maybe my mistakes will lead me to somewhere better, which is what Waitress is saying throughout. Throughout, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard her concept album for it? I've heard the the one where she's doing the songs. Yeah, herself. she does. All yes, and I really like it. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. I, I also love the alternate lyric. I got a wife. I got a husband. I'm your doctor. dumb baby's coming. As opposed to. You have a wife. You have a husband. You are my doctor. You got a baby coming. I find Sarah Burrell is very funny. I yeah. think she's really good. I agree. There, There is at least one listener to this podcast who does not like her at all. But uh, I, uh, and, and she- will, If I find out who you are. No, she's rolling her eyes pretty heavily right now. <laughs> Hi, Katie. Um, but uh, she rolled her eyes when she saw this is what we were doing, to, to sure. be entirely honest. Um, and I, I've always liked her, though. I like her music. I yeah. like her personality. I mm-hmm. liked her on the sing-off when she was a judge, which is honestly where I first encountered her. Okay. Um, and she has a very Ben Foldsian quality sort about of, her. Sort of, yeah. They're compliment, complimentary, yeah. uh, kind of wry, smirky. Yeah. Um, he's a little bit more, I would say, clever and closed than she is. And Probably. she's a lot more open and emotional than yeah. he is. It makes sense that they're buddies. Yes. They, they compliment each other. Yes. Very and nicely. I believe she opened for him a bunch. Yeah. they they And they've, they've played a, a lot of, guested on each other's recordings and things yeah. like that. Um. More than just the piano, they they write kind of complimentary music, at least to my ear, uh, yeah. and yeah, so she she suits me very well. I was interested to to hear the show. I have not seen it, um, 
but I was interested when it came out to mm-hmm. sort of be like, oh, that's, you know, and it's Jessie Mueller, obviously, yeah. who is Broadway royalty mm-hmm. on her own. I saw her in Carousel. Yeah. That's where I've, I knew her, obviously, from right. Waitress album, but then I, that was the first time I ever got to see her with in Josh Henry. Josh Henry. There yeah. you go. Look at you. It was good. Knowing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, yeah, obviously yeah. from Beautiful. So why, what brought you back or to musicals? Like you say that you didn't, We'll do a little yeah. Broadway baby like wrap sure. up here. So like, yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about Harold, of course. My comic, so. <laughs> right? <laughs> my well, comic book origin. But that, I also wanted to say, I mean, you're a stand-up. Yeah, right. Obviously. So like, it's funny to me though that you describe sort of like the uh, some of the the terms you learn on the podcast as being depressing a little bit because it's the you have like <laughs> stand-up comic oh, is the yeah. toughest gig out there. Oh my god! So. And you don't have any, even in successful, you don't have any union protections or no. calls or that. No, it's so, pirate rules. Yeah, exactly right. So this makes me giggle. That yeah. You're like, that's a tough life, what you're doing. I'm like, the, okay. Because like, yeah. stand-up comes, we all have it in our head that we're going to be the one that doesn't have to put up with all the nonsense. Sure. We have a delusional streak. Sure, you have to. Totally. Yeah. And um, like I was talking to one of my friends is a really, really good improviser. And I said, hey, are you sick of like hearing improvisers talk about improv the way I'm sick of hearing comics talk about mm-hmm. comedy? And he goes, no, I, I like the nuts and bolts. I'm like, no, 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 I love talking nuts and bolts. I mean the people going like, we're the only real truth tellers left. And he's like, oh, so here's the difference between improv and stand-up. We have no illusions that this is going to make us famous. So we're actually just having fun. Mm-hmm. You guys are like, we're going to be the king of show business. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. what that kind of does to you. Cool people are, have to keep that in check. I like to sure. think I'm on the normal end of that spectrum. Sure. But there's streaks of it. But you so, do have to be delusional. Totally. I mean, you have to be, as I've always said, like, even, even I, as a writer, have to be delusional enough to think you would be interested yes. in reading what I've written. Yeah. And then, like, also advocate for it. That mm-hmm. requires a certain amount of delusion. Yeah. And I get to do all that from the comfort of my email and home yes. for the most part. I have to occasionally take a meeting. But for the most part, like, I can be pretty calm about yeah. it. Like, you have to go out on stage. Every day. Yeah, with just a microphone and yeah. your chutzpah. And, and go, say, please don't hurt my feelings. Right. Well, and you're doing a podcast because you're a comic mm-hmm. and it's a law. Totally. But your podcast, unlike 99.999% of comics it's podcast. not just it's guys not talking, talking about, about com- stuff it's not you interviewing other comics about comedy yes and everybody sitting around making yourselves feel better yes. you're talking about broadway which leads me back to my original question how okay <laughs> so <laughs> how alex fun fun side note we the only time we ever got comedy commiserate was when we did chorus line because mm-hmm. jay and i were like hey all this stuff that they're going through this is what we go through all the time. And Jay and I had done an audition at the comic strip that had kind of went hilariously bad for both of us because of things out of our control. And so we were like, yeah, that was our God, I hope I get it moment. And it didn't work out, but we had each other. So right. it's kind of good. So, so as I said, I, uh, I think when I was really like, when I was maybe like 10, I liked musicals because I liked The Lion King and I liked Disney and I really liked Grease. I don't know why that hmm. one was on my radar, but I loved Grease. People love Grease. Loved Grease. Yeah. And I was in fifth grade. And I'm then, not one of them, but people no? love okay. Grease. Yeah. I, I haven't revisited it, so I don't it's know. It's not worth it. No. <laughs> okay. It's uh, a bad show. I want everyone to understand how okay. I feel about Grease. It's a very, it's, very bad show. It's definitely, show. As, as Jay calls it, a little fraught plot wise. Yeah, Jay does a really good bit about Greece. If he ever, if he ever no. films it, you gotta. Oh, oh okay. my god, because he imagines it for like the millennial era, and he, spoiler alert, puts a school shooting in there, and it's Jesus, it's brilliant, and <laughs> it's, it's it. <laughs> oh my, it's not it's not frivolous. Like that joke is to prove a point, right, right, of, right, of the dire situation of our schools, right. by putting a school shooting, shooting in, in Greece. In Greece. No, I don't want to make say. him sound like he's doing that, you know, for right, for, uh, mean Just purposes. For a bit. Yeah, totally. Um, so. About the time when I got to be angsty high school, part of my brain was like, we shouldn't like these anymore. They're dumb. And I was like, yeah, they're dumb. And my heart was like, but we want to sing. And I'm like, shut up, heart. We're going to listen to Nirvana all the time. And I still do like Nirvana. Right, of course. But I was that was the thing. And so then my friends started to do musical theater. And I was like, man, that's dumb. And secretly like, I wish I was in Oklahoma. (laughs) But I wouldn't let myself do it. And so then I just built up this scar tissue of like, well, I didn't do it because I hate them and I don't want to do it because they're stupid and there's no universe that where people sing their feelings. I'm going to go back to watching Spider-Man. That right. makes more sense. And so then um, I, I around 2013, I was like, you know, I'm going to make an effort to just listen to new music 
and watch new fi- like put put more art into mm. my head and just be like an encyclopedia of of literature and stuff like that. Sure. I thought that would be fun. And so I thought, oh, my roommate was always trying to get me to listen to Avenue Q. Why don't I listen to that? Mm. Because he had showed me Jesus Christ Superstar, which was the one musical in college. I was like, this rules. Yeah. But I was like, no, it's a, it's a rock opera. Right. It's not a not musical. Really musical. Yeah, yeah. But I love it. I know every word of that thing. And so I listened to Avenue Q. And I was like, oh. I think I like musicals, and I think I knew I liked them the whole time. I wouldn't admit it. Mm-hmm. And so then I just started to listen to more shows on my own. That's how I found uh, Hair and Hamilton, of course. And um, where's some other early ones? Uh, Hair, I mentioned. A chorus Line, I liked early on. And um, so then I just started to, as I usually do, I just post on Facebook about whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I turn it into jokes just for practice. Sure. And so I met up with Kimberly after Jay and I saw Deadpool 2 at a trivia thing. And we had never met before. Mm. And she goes, oh, I've been reading all your posts. Like, clearly you were a theater right. kid. And I was like, no, I wasn't. She's yeah. like, really? I'm like, yeah. And so she goes, oh. Because Kimberly kind of has a secret fantasy of being a teacher. Sure. So she's like, oh, an unmolded mind. We should do mm-hmm. this yeah, every yeah. week. And fun fact, <laughs> I originally wanted to call our podcast A Whole New World, but Broadway Baby was way better. Yeah, Broadway so, Baby is a better title. Yes. Whole New World's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the the at that at that party, funny we should be talking about waitress. Um, she was introducing me to her other Broadway friends. Because mm. this is Alex. He's new to theater. He loves waitress because she thinks it's cute that I love waitress. And this one person goes, "Why do you like that thing?" And I was like, oh my "Uh, God. she she got weirdly belligerent." And Jay is like, "Don't leave him alone. Don't be jaded. Leave him alone." And she's like, "No, no. Why do you like waitress?" I was like, "Cause all the songs are fun and bouncy." And she's like, "Well, did you know Sarah Bareilles before?" I'm like, "No, I actually knew her." after I liked this and then I got into her later and she's just like well I don't get it and I was like what did I just go through yeah you went through a typical interaction with a music theater person I really was not expected to be thrown into a gladiator ring yeah that's what happens oh well it does but if you bring up something you like yeah there are the odds that someone standing very close to you doesn't like it and doesn't like you (laughs) or doesn't know me enough I should say will act that way yeah to act. Yeah, that is one reason I started this podcast was to combat snobbery. Okay. Uh, because we all have things we like and we all have yeah. things we don't like. And one of the things that I think we music theater people um, like to forget is that musicals inherently are a little bit silly. Yeah. The form is a little bit. Mm-hmm. It requires a certain amount of, uh, above average amount of um, suspension of disbelief. Totally. And... You have to be there for the musical a mm-hmm. little bit more than the average the average bear, which is why I think people get very defensive and uppity about it because okay. uh, it re- they feel there's, there's a protectiveness about it, being like, gotcha. "No, this is great. Like, yeah. You don't understand how great this is," mm-hmm. and they're not wrong. But what I then want is like, "Okay, but remember that." And when somebody says they like something, like let people like things. Yes. that was a big mantra for me. When so I remember the first time I saw that online, and I was just like, "That's great. Yeah. That's a much just let people like stuff yeah. because." I went through being a film, you know, I came up mm-hmm. in, in the 90s and uh, early 2000s with, in, with indie cinema, which turned a lot of people into, you know, misogynist snobs, yeah. to be entirely frank about it. And I like to think I skipped the misogyny part, but Good. I went right for the snobbery okay. and, uh, you know, because it's safe and fun. And Lesser I have, of the evils. Well, and I have the kind of brain that retains facts. So, like, if yes. you come at me with a movie, I can come at you with nine other ones and, like, okay. make you feel bad about having an opinion <laughs> if I want to. And You're I just often, sitting on that skill like a sleeper cell. It. Oh, I can hit you so bad. You don't even know. You didn't even see it coming. <laughs> I love cinema. We could right. do this. I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me. <laughs> uh, Watch so, me. There you go. Um, and, but so, I, I re- at some point realized, though, that, like, oh, I don't like anything. Like, if I'm, if I'm this <laughs> grumpy about it, like... I want to fight what people. What do I like? Why do I want to do this if I apparently hate yeah. all this stuff? So one of the maxims of this podcast, though, is like people have come on this show and done shows that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And it has been a goal of mine to... <laughs> to not yuck their to young. Not, but also to sort of find the thing in it that they like. Yeah. and Because that is often infectious. And yeah. often, especially with musicals, because it's a collection of songs, mm-hmm. there's probably a song in there that you enjoy. Totally, There's probably something going on in there that you can get down with. And in this very room, I talked to Robbie Rizelle about MAME, which is a show. You've, you experienced MAME. MAME, the... I told Kimberly when you guys... question mark of what is this even MAME. Well, so you saw the movie. No, I didn't see oh, the no, movie. Oh, no, you didn't see the movie. That's right, you guys... I saw a clip it. from the movie. Right. It was goddamn terrifying. Well, it's a weird, weird movie. Uh, but 
when you guys announced you were doing that for your <laughs> we Christmas We were way show, too pumped about I it. I almost texted Kimberly <laughs> and was like, it's not a Christmas show. Yeah. But then it's I thought- It's barely a show. But then I thought two things. One, I covered that on my podcast. Okay. So where were you, Kimberly, listening to my <laughs> podcast? But then two, I thought, no, this will be much funnier for you, like much better content yes. for you guys to go discover on your own how that much was this our is not a Christmas, Christmas episode. We did White Christmas for the early December episode. I loved listening to you guys talk about maybe be like, <laughs> what was Mame? But so yeah. Robbie came to me with Mame because he said I needed joy in my life, is what he said. Okay. Uh, it's still not a show I enjoy. Yeah. But. He loves it, and he is able to. He through that I said, yeah, I like that song, and I like this about it. Like, yeah, I don't think Mame should cease to exist. No, I just don't care for it. And if they never do it again, that's fine with me. Pretty much. But so with with waitress personally, I, I am. I find myself living song to song mm-hmm. with waitress. I'm a little bit ambivalent to okay. it as a piece. I would love to see it. Yeah, and I think that would enhance my enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. I am also much credit to waitress for. Uh, opening the same season as Hamilton, yeah. Awards be damned, and it was not a really, sinking completely. It was a, but it was a really. Somebody at the time I remember saying to me like, "Why is anything opening right now? <laughs> because you're not going to win anything." And I said, "No, oh, man. hibernate." But the smart idea, and they did a very clever. I I was not a huge fan of the fact that they had Sarah Bareilles come out and sing the first part of "She Used to Be Mine" into Jesse Mueller singing it. Okay, but I understood why they did it because mm-hmm. they knew. Everyone's going to be watching this, Tony's. Yes. And we have to really be like, you can't get tickets to Hamilton, but you can get tickets to this. Yep. And it worked out for them. I mean, they're still running now. Yep. They're, and they're open in the West End recently. On my walk here, uh, the posters are up now because uh, Joey McIntyre is joining the cast. I don't know who that is. Waitress from New Kids on the Block. Oh. The youngest one from New Kids on the Block. Huh. Yeah. So this is not being marketed at you, clearly. I don't, it's I don't so know funny. how I feel about that. I have now aged into, because it's 18 to 35, is that, and then 35 to whatever it is, yeah. the next, that's me. I'm in okay. that range. So things are being marketed to me like that. <laughs> I am a, I am who Broadway musicals are being marketed okay. to, because I'm the one who has, I don't, but like I should theoretically have the money to buy the tickets. Yes. <laughs> so like- that's like they're like and Joey oh McIntyre's in the oh, cast. Oh, who's gonna be in Hamilton when they're trying to appeal to me? What are they gonna do to it? <laughs> it's so funny to think, but it's it's a funny thought exercise to think like, yeah, how do you know when a show is on its way out? Yes, and is doing stunt casting, and I don't think totally. that's what Waitress is doing. I think Waitress has had a, a healthy turnover. They're doing a really good job of bringing in interesting female yeah. actors to play, of and they're playing with race yeah. and they're playing with all kinds of different. Yeah, weird uh, when yeah. they cast Al Roker, but yes, I'll, I'll go with it. And I kind of wonder how much of the the producers' idea, because they seem to have very smart producers, of yeah. being like, let's do stunt casting before we have to, okay. so that when we start to, because we have to, no one's like, what are they doing with that person? <laughs> like, well, they cast Al Roker like two years ago. I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's kind of. What they do? I mean, okay. they had on um Adam. Uh, recently, they had Adam Shapiro and uh, Katie Lowe's. Uh, she played Dawn, and her husband, who's Adam Shapiro, uh, who's also an actor, obviously, uh, played um, Ogie. So the the show is interested in stunt casting. Yeah. from the jump. I mm-hmm. mean, bringing Sarah Bareilles into the show is stunt yeah. casting to a certain extent. And I like that they they because when they were having a high turnover of Jenna's, I was like, is there a problem? I thought, oh no, they, 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 that's their thing. Yeah, they're like, and let's give everybody and, a shot. And that's the thing with Joey McIntyre joining the cast. He's only in it for like a month. They're really yeah. like, they're doing this kind of burning through people, and that seems to be a new thing. That shows are doing like Adam Pascal just did Pretty Woman yes for like a week and then he came back and did it for another week and it's okay. it, 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 it's it's I think the theory being once they learn the track they can just we can just plug them back in yeah. again so they do a limited run for like a month and then maybe come back in a year yeah and do it again and okay. like oh you missed it the first time but here we yeah. are, you know because if ticket sales go up oh want to see Roger wear a suit and hang we out got with him a prostitute we, do again you, do you <laughs> you want to see him get a most awkward. Sex scene I've ever seen in a show? No. Okay, fine. Is that Rent or Pretty Woman? It's a Pretty Woman. Okay. Because I was like, wait, there probably is a weird sex scene in Rent. There is. It's called Contact. Stop, oh, stop, God. Stop, 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 stop. Please, please, please. Harder. Faster. Better. Rubber, rubber, fire, latex, rubber, latex, bomber, lover, bomber. 
coming back to waitress somehow. <laughs> Hard crash. Don't know how I'm going to do You're this. Like, let's exactly. do waitress, but we're going to talk about Rand. We're going to talk about Mame. Well, but in, in this, the one thing I did want to ask you about is so one of the the show has gotten a little guff, and I, and I don't think undeservedly for the subplot involving Dawn and Augie. I have big problems. With okay, that. all right. Big. I and I and the what makes me have bigger problems with it, or even bigger than I already have, is it would be so easy to fix and they didn't do it. So, so the the, the plot is for those who don't know, is that Dawn is a waitress in the in, in yeah. the coffee shop, and uh, there's this uh, customer Augie who always comes and always sits in her section, mm-hmm. and basically has taken the romantic tact, if you want to call it that. It's a recognized He's technique. Creepy of simply not of just being around yes. and not. He's not overt. He's a little overt with he's, her, but he's more just like, I'm just here and I'm just waiting for you to notice me. And yeah. Love me. And, and in 2006, that was charming because the actors were charming. Yes. Now, but it wasn't charming, objectively. And now yeah. we all recognize that it wasn't yeah. charming. Yeah. And so when I saw that, I yeah. knew nothing about the story. I hadn't mm. seen the movie. And I was like, hey, this character sucks he's awful he's mm-hmm. going I will stay here till you love me and mm-hmm. I'm not leaving and she, the, the, that track opens with her screaming please just leave and I, I find that legitimately scary I'm like yeah. a woman feels very threatened how is this and this and is a, a small joke town. town I mean it's a small town yeah. that they're in small southern town and so like there aren't that many folks around. Like, yeah, so if one of them's bugging you, you the, the yeah. odds of avoiding that person are very, very, Town very Sheriff's slim. probably in the diner just watching. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, just go out with him already. Yeah, just swinging his little baton going, eh. <laughs> and also all oh, her, but all her your friends pies encourage Sando. this. Like, it's not, yes. the only one not on, like, nobody's on her side in that when it's she's like, really please leave. Like, hey, just go out with him. And, and now, and yeah. at the time in 2006, we're all like, oh, that's the romantic comedy character who is quiet and closed off mm-hmm. and needs to open herself up to love. Yes. And that is not a character. That's not how we do that anymore. Yeah. That's not how we tell that story mm-hmm. anymore. It shouldn't have been then. And, and what's so messed up about that character is, first of all, the fact that they then fall in love and i will admit once they're together it is really cute yes i that's the the thing of the theme of this show is the romances start awkwardly and kind of badly and then once they're together they're actually pretty solid emotionally mm-hmm. but they always start weird and that's the movie's fault um but so ogie just wears this woman down and then he's like hey we're going to i'm a big founding father's nut she's like me too let's get married and everything's right. fine and i'm just like Ugh. um but they could, it would have been so easy. And this this show was made by a team of mostly women. Yeah. So it blows my mind that they didn't add one line where he's like, oh my God, I've been mistreating you. Please let me start over. I'm not like this. I got carried over. Something where he oh, could see, that's admit that he's wrong and then it's okay. What I was thinking, the way to fix it. Or make him less creepy. Well, the way I was thinking to fix it is just have him be, well, first of all, there's the problem of it in the movie is that in the movie, he's just kind of around. Yeah. And like every now and again, she addresses him, and mm-hmm. it's very late in the movie where she like confronts him directly, and he admits that he's doing what he's doing. Yes, it's all kind of subtext in mm-hmm. the movie, and it's not drawn a lot of attention to. It's a very much a subplot. The musical, because it's a musical, uh, has a song about it, mm-hmm. and that is not great. Please just take the mixed bouquet and leave. Just leave. Don't. I will never let you let me leave. I promise I'm not lying. Go ahead, ask anybody who has seen me trying. I'm not going. If it seems like I did, I'm probably waiting outside. Such a stubborn man, you'll likely never meet another. When we have our family dinner, you can ask my mother. She's the best. You'll learn more about her on our family history test. I'm going to do this That puts a lot of weight yes. on that moment that you don't want. That's what really draws the attention to it to yeah. me. But for me, the fix is actually to make it that he just comes and hangs around. He's one of the regulars of the diner. Okay. But he always sits in her section. And to have the other two wait- waitresses notice okay. and go to him and be like, do you like her? And also have her like him. Yeah. And they just don't talk to each other. And have it be more of a case of like, these two people like each other. 
but they can't say they it. They can't say it. And so then yeah. it becomes a little bit more of a like, the, the show is about making these two people talk to each other who do want to talk you to each other. You could give them like an if I love you kind of a Exactly moment. right. Oh, look at you. Look ah, at you. Ah, baby learns. Um, so that to me is the, the, a fix of like making it just take away the creepy, the, yeah. to take the creepy thing. Throw it away. Mm-hmm. Because it, throw it back to 2006. It back. Because it, it does feel to me ultimately a failure of recognizing that like in a musical when you do these things, they stand out. Yes. Because like you say, it's a comic song. It's yeah. played for a joke. Mm-hmm. And it's the only moment in the show. Because there's a lot of stuff that happens in this show. Totally. That is hard. Yes. Hard But drama. most of them are justified as, oh, this is an analyzing abuse really vividly and greatly. And we get... And this is like, what do you... Who thought this was a good idea to address we, this? I mean, you way. have the joke songs the first time the Doctor and, and, and she get together. Yeah. But then we have scenes after where it's reflected upon and, and given the weight. And that's basically yeah. what the whole show is about is mm-hmm. her wrestling with these decisions. And she makes the the moral decision at the end that is correct. Yeah. And like, I don't hate you. I don't regret what we've done. Yep. But like, it was right for the time. You right. got me like out this, of my terrible place. This doesn't work. But and it won't you have work to go now. away. Right. And you and, and so, but that that the subplot with Donanogi isn't given that. It, yeah. It, it doesn't have. It's the. It's that very. And it also, I think, it also gets forgiven in the original movie because it's played by the actress who yes. wrote and directed the movie. So. Obviously, she thought this was more than fine, yeah. and she's willing to play the part. It it takes on another layer yeah. in the movie that when you adapt it to the stage, you kind of forget, oh, the audience won't look at it well, that way. Well, what was weird was when I saw it, the audience loved him. And I was like, is no one noticing? People really don't. This ain't cool. Because. You got a, like a really big cheer at the end, because he was really good. Right. But in that one song, it's like, do we not know how this romance started? It is. And people. It was real bad. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily that audiences go, oh, it's a show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for some things. Yeah. Be like, listen, it's a show. That's the love plot. Yeah. We need to have this mm-hmm. as the comedic subplot because there's a lot of heavy stuff that's about to totally. happen. Totally. And we need to have this joke over here. However, <laughs> what I really think is that it really reveals a lot more about where we are and who we are about than what we're we willing really to tolerate. want it to do because like, he was creepy, but he's charming. And and if you that makes it fine. If you flip that. It, it, it because it's it's like the man is allowed to do that. The yes. man is allowed to sit and bug. But if and she did it, be like she's crazy, she's and desperate, and kind yeah. of like, is bad. I don't like. Yeah, and some it's, fatal attraction stuff. Yeah. Like. So it 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 really is. Ultimately, it's it's the big glaring. Could not like, agree sore more. thumb in this show. Could just not like, agree more. And it's so avoidable. That's what always makes it's makes so me bang avoidable. my head. And yeah. I I wonder if like did they did they the the one thing I do wonder about. Her death affecting this show is were they hesitant to change the yeah, book? Sure, because I know it was a, it was adapted by another person, but a lot of those lines are just in yeah, the movie. Or just straight up. Sometimes the movie. So they'll there'll be one throw off sentence and they'll make like um, focus on the negative mm-hmm. is a one off joke in the movie, mm-hmm. and they make it into this really fun song, a really good song, totally yeah, yeah. works, very very good song. But I wonder if they had like a reverence for the book that they should have taken down. I'm sure a little bit because I'm sure they did. Like I was saying, and about, that plot specifically. I mean, that's her plot. Yeah, you don't want to screw with that. Yeah, yeah, and and like even with. Like I was mentioning with um, the doctor, how they get together so fast. He is painted as the way healthier mate for her now. And obviously not yeah. in the long run, but she's got the husband at home who's awful. And then the doctor actually really likes her and yeah. is willing to listen to her and care about her during this hard time. But there's a line in the movie that and then came over to the show as well where he goes, you didn't call me in a week. Don't do that. And I was like, do we need to have him give a weird like selfish male ego moment. and then she tells him off which is good well I think we yeah but I was that, like why did we need that at all I think we do because I think that nicely honestly sets up her leaving him later okay. is the kind of realization that because one of the reasons she doesn't stay with him to me is because he's better than her husband yes. but that's a super low bar <laughs> he just sort and of stepped sort over of that realizes the great thing about that being like it's also it's a relationship that started wrong and she sort of yeah. has that sort of statement of like, no, like we can't, yeah. you can't build off of this. Our foundation's too shaky. Yeah. This Even though the show tries to show that sometimes a really wrong relationship will get a very big cheer at the end. Yes. <laughs> if your name is Ogie. But it's okay 
in the fictional sense because we know those two people really do care about each other. Yes. Because they're fictional characters. Mm-hmm. The reason it doesn't work in real life is because that's <laughs> not how real life works. But in a musical or in a play or in a yeah. movie or anything, I can say, no, and then they lived happily ever after. And everyone goes, okay, uh-huh. because it's fiction. These yeah. people do what I say they do mm-hmm. when I type my little fingers totally. on. I don't have very actually yeah. average sized fingers. I'm not like Billy Joel or anything. But um, <laughs> and little stubby hands. Okay. But uh, it is, yeah, because they're fictional, we can say things like, oh, yeah. it's fine they do that because they're Because fictional. we know how it ends. The problem is, as human beings, we take those fictional examples mm-hmm. and then we extrapolate them out to real life as much yes. as we would like to sometimes pretend we don't. We absolutely do. Yeah. And and what's, what's messed up now, now that we're going deeper into how that romance starts... Dawn, if it, it would be one thing if, like you said, if, if we learned that Dawn really did like him, because the premise is they went on a five-minute date the night before, and she was like, I don't want to see him again. Right. So as far as we know, she's like, I'm just trying to ghost this dude in yeah. a respectful way. And he's like, no. And so she looks legit scared. And yeah. then he wins her over. So I guess, I wonder if the actress playing her plays it like, I did like him, but I can't, because I know that that's what the show means. Yes. But like... <laughs> well, supposed to, it's the so plot is weird. supposed to be that she and she says the line in the open in um, opening up. One of the things she li- she likes the fact that nothing ever changes. Yes, and so she is afraid of change to start a relationship with somebody because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to change anything in her life. That's a really interesting character. Yeah. It's a really interesting plot, but she should change because she wants to change. Yes, she should have that agency of decide of she can be told by her friends mm-hmm. what you want is crap. You know what I mean? Uh, but very, she has to change. She has to change. It's a great line in, I don't know if you've seen Tangled, the Disney movie. No. Tangled. It's a great line in, uh, it, it won't, I won't explain it too much, but it's a, where the Rapunzel and, and, and Flynn Rider get freed by a group of criminals to be like, to escape their mm-hmm. thing. And, and one of them says, go live your dream. And the guy says, I will. And he goes, I was talking, your dream stinks. I was talking to her. <laughs> and he's like, agony. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but so the, um, in the same sense, it's like what you want is the wrong thing. Yeah. And like understand that there's also an interesting parallels to be drawn between her not wanting to be with a guy mm-hmm. because the other two female characters who she spends all her time with have terrible relationships. Oh, totally. And th- her saying that to them even would be interesting to be like, why would I want like, to be in a relationship? Your husband's you guys awful. Are so sad. Right. And to have them then go... Oh, yeah. Wow, we've been kind of, I mean, you're right, but that doesn't mean yours will, like, this is yeah. what it is. You have to try. It's that kind of, like, it's yeah. the end of company, what's, you know. What's interesting, I think, that they do, first of all, um, <clears throat> difference parallel between uh, the Dawn relationship and the Jenna one is that Jenna, they actually do a really, really good job of spelling out that it. she... In the beginning, she has no autonomy because yeah. she's so terrified and then she's trapped and they hint at like in what Bacon can do that she feels that she was like an anchor baby to her mother who was mm-hmm. being abused and they, they foreshadow it really nicely. Yeah. But then at the end, she starts to call the shots. Yeah. And she goes, I, I'm leaving you because I care about our baby. You only care about yourself. And then the doctor, she's like, hey, this isn't going to work. It was right for the time, but we have to end it now. She's, she grows... I don't. I'm hesitant to say grow a spying because that feels condescending. But right. like she starts taking charge of her own life, whereas Dawn, it feels like a man still gives yes, that she's to being her. Steered. Yeah. Yeah. It's agency. I mean, it's the thing. Agency. She's she's the one making the decision. Totally. She's the one deciding where she yeah. goes. And what's um what I love about this the way the the general relationship plays out is I think it's um so first their relationship as we said starts wrong it's like we're having an affair this is wrong and then by the end of act one we're like oh well he's nicer this is good now yeah and then act two then you get um i can't remember her name the, the other waitress is also having an affair with the diner right yeah and, yeah. She, and and jenna essentially says to her in the book she's like well you don't love him i could be in love with this guy and she goes hey just because your situation is different you're we're both committing adultery Right. This is a moral gray area that you don't get to say I'm slightly less gray area than you are. Right. We're in the same boat. Right. Which is really, and I think it does. And that's an interesting yeah, conversation. It yeah, always yeah. makes you go, is she doing the right thing? I mean, she's it's, mm-hmm. it's sweet, but is it right? This person's, a, it's kind of the same trick they do in Sunday in the Park with George of them going like, is George a selfish prick or is Art really 
the best because he says it's for the ages and then Dot's like, you're selfish. And then he's like, no, I have to finish it. It's forever. And then Franz is like, artists do it for themselves. Yeah. So they keep asking you more and more questions. So you go, I don't know. Well, because both I are don't right. Know. Yes. I mean, the, the, end, the end answer is there's it's no interpretation. Answer. It is totally. it's personal. It's entirely a personal Absolutely. response. And it's the, yeah, I mean, okay, if you want to talk about Sunny in the Park with George, we can talk about Sunny in the Park with George. Um, it was almost like, is he going to think I'm blaspheming by bringing that parallel? No, no, no. Well, I knew you guys are doing it on the show soon, yeah. so it, it, I know it's much, from the pictures you've been posting online, I know it is much on your mind. <laughs> but it is the, I mean, the moment for me in Sunny in the Park that is the ultimate for that is the, um, is We Do Not Belong Together, where Dot says, You could tell me not to go. Tell me not to fall. Tell me that you're hurt. Tell me you're relieved. Tell me that you're bored. Anything, but don't assume I know. Tell me what you feel. What I feel. You know exactly how I feel. Why do you insist you must hear the words? When you know I cannot give you words, not the ones you need. The the sadness and the beauty of George, or Georges, as he is in Act One, um, <laughs> is in his knowledge that like this is what I do. Yeah. This is how I communicate. If you want more than that, I understand. Yeah, and I'm super sorry. And and the because really this is all I've got. Yeah, yeah. And, a, and a super sad moment is finishing the hat because he goes, I thought she understood. Yeah. That that's, They've this is how understood. I communicate, but they have never understood finishing the hat. Yeah. What well, is, so it, I will say, and you can steal this for your podcast because this will come out after the big okay. road. But, but the thing I really love about that song is that you have the greatest Broadway lyricist in the history of the form mm -hmm. writing for a character who can't express himself oh and so what he does is take one metaphor which is the window yeah and beat it into the ground because that's all george can do that's george can't true. tell you how he feels he keeps saying it's yeah all, it's like a window and he, it's like talking to somebody you're like it, it's like it's like a window you know yeah. like when you look through a window and then like there's a, you, and you're it's like, like a window you're like waving through like, a window evan hansen okay, what? Right. yeah i know and you're like it's it, you know it's a window and like he just keeps saying that yeah. over and over again and you go I have no idea what you're talking what you about talking right now, about? but you're super passionate about it. Yeah, and so it's all in the music, his expression of his longing and his yeah, and the two things. The one thing he does understand is like the woman that you want mm -hmm. isn't the woman who's going to wait, and the woman who you wait you don't want. Like yeah. he understands that irony, mm -hmm. but he can't make Dot stay. Nope, and he sort of decides that I'm not going to. Yeah, and I'm not going to burden you. Like he kind of, I feel George thinks he's doing her a favor. When he's like, Louis will be her father. Louis will love her. I think you're this right. This is better. And yeah. yeah, Dot just wants him to be like, no, no, I'll be better with you. Yeah. Like, nope, can't do it. Won't I found it. Sunday in the Park with George. I was dating somebody at the time who liked musicals uh, right when I was getting into them. So we kind of mm -hmm. bonded over that. And she goes, have you heard Sunday in the Park with George? And I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know it was about a painter. Right. I assumed it was about like a young man and an old man uh, sat in a park. playing baseball. Kind of, right. yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And she just goes, well, are you, are you a workaholic? I'm like, yeah. She goes, you're going to cry your eyes out. Very and true. I did. Very true. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to hear when baby cried at that. Oh, boy. I have five or six specific moments that I cried. <laughs> and do you watch the video? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Because a lot of them, for me, are visual. Yeah. Uh, but we're not here to talk about signing the part George. about waitress. Don't, don't I was almost. I was almost going to say. going. Well, you can. It's not hard. It's my favorite yeah. musical. Of I was all almost going to say that Ogie and Dawn are the Collins and Angel of Waitress, but you know what? Because <laughs> they're portrayed as having their shit together romantically. One thing I wanted to ask you about with Waitress, because you've seen it, is what is my favorite song in the show, which is She Used to Be Mine. Yes. She's imperfect, but she tries. She is good. But she lies She is hard on herself She is broken and won't ask for help She is messy, but she's kind She is lonely, more 
Is exactly what that song is about. Okay. So she used to be mine. She um, has been hinting in earlier songs that like she felt like she like like um what's the marriage song? Uh, you will still be mine. Mm-hmm. And he's oh like, yeah yeah like, yeah. This is when our relationship was fun, but you realize oh he was always going to be an abuser. He didn't let yeah. it out yet. Right. Um. And you know she, everyone's like you're this great pie maker and you have so much potential you could be the greatest cook if you just go in this contest and it's geared that she had so much potential and like the drive and like just reckless enough to do it but then as she got into this marriage and got more and more trapped and more and more abused she just let it all kind of internalize it and and not go anywhere and one of the things i really love is that she used to be mine is an excellent uh, kind of bookend with opening up because in opening up they're like oh we're all in a rut but it's kind of fun and we all have right. little jokes to say about oh, work is work you know and then by the end she talks about how this place and its patrons have taken more than I get it's the same feeling but it's like I can't pretend that this isn't so sad anymore it mm-hmm. all comes out so she so it's about her it's about her okay. going how did I end up here because everyone said I was I was so much better than getting trapped like this, but it happened anyway. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I was never better than this? Mm-hmm. Or does this mean that I wasted my potential? Is it my fault? What's, what's She's wrestling with how did I end up here, and it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really like about the show and the movie, but it's much more uh, epic in the show because it's sung, is this, and it's an important point that doesn't get brought up enough in, in, in drama to me, which is that your life is never over. Yeah. That... There is no such thing as happily ever after. You have to keep living your life every single day mm-hmm. because most of the characters in the show, the the dead ones, sort of feel like their life is done. Like, no, this is my lot in life. This yep. is where I am. This is what I do. And they're comfortable in their pain. Mm-hmm. And what Jenna's, what Dawn and Ogie's story should be, but isn't, <laughs> is a simple example of like, no, you can easily let yourself out and then jenna has the same issue it's harder because she's more deeply entangled Mm -hmm. herself in her issues but she is able to say to herself no i'm this is not i mean it's because it says she says in focus on the negative like you know just two minutes and your life is over yes and what's always so funny to me uh, what i love about that from a, a pregnancy story standpoint is that people who have gotten pregnant by accident mm-hmm. who then later have turned around and like loved their child and had a wonderful time and blah 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 yeah. never like to admit later the fact that there was a moment where they were like, like anything else but this would be great right where now. they're looking at a little plastic swab going right. come on right don't 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 and then it does and then you're like and there's not an instantaneous changeover of like yay yeah generally yay comes much 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 yes. much later and, and they show her processing all that. She's yes. like, I don't want to get rid of the baby. Right. But please don't talk to me like I should be happy about this. I'm miserable. I just don't. That's my decision. Right. And the dear baby thing is really uh, evident. And she almost, it's its really like a good nuanced arc because she goes between blaming the baby, blaming herself, blaming a husband, and everything isn't going to work out until that one moment where you could argue it ends too cleanly, but I think it's earned. Where she mm. just sees the baby and it all clicks. She goes, I got to get out of here. And now it's just about me and my kid. And this, everything does change. Yeah. And I can, there's hope in this. Um, what's your favorite song? So mine is, uh, you should be mine. But what's your favorite my song? My favorite song on this show is, that's probably my second favorite song. Mm. That's a, if I need to knock some feels loose, it's like, I know just the trick. Yeah. Put it on. Uh, my favorite is What Bacon Can Do. best songs about denial ever written Mm. because it goes right from the pregnancy test 
directly into, yeah. I'm going to turn all this into baking, which I'm learning a lot about emotional health right now in my own time. Oh, and okay. that's exactly what they tell you not to do. Right. To not feel your feelings and just go, well, I'll, I'll bake it out. No, right. that makes it so much worse. Right. And then you get even deeper trapped and you got to yeah. untangle that stuff later. So I, it's a, I just think it's a really good good song. All the, the, the best songs on, the, on this show, I think, have kind of like a really fun pop element. Even if it's a sad mm-hmm. song, they have like, you could hear She Used to Be Mine on the radio. And yeah. it would work. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that really is uh, good. The only songs on this that I don't like. Oh, sure. Um, you Matter to Me is fine. It's kind of sweet. I like the monologue in it more than I like the song. Mm. And then I think Waitress, I know structurally it couldn't have ended like this because there had to be more plot after this. But everything changes, feels like it should be the last song and then Curtain. But then they have more plot and then they do the reprise of opening up, which is kind of dumb and ends with what's inside of love, which I think is just so cringy. Oh, I see I what do, you mean. I was like, because I saw that live, I was like, they're like, what's inside? I was like, don't say love, don't say love. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you earned it, but oh. Uh, yeah. But everything changes. It's a great. But Yeah, I get you on that. Yeah. I get, I like the opening up reprise because she is literally opening up another shop. Yeah. But yes, yes, you're right. I it's don't just like an inferior song to the first version. I don't. Yes, well, it's a reprise. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, that's a hard one, because there is a like I, I am generally against overt statements of theme. Yeah. Because I like subtext. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I do completely understand that sometimes, because it's a musical, the rules are a little different. Yeah. It's a really interesting. There's a great book that you should read at some point in your education called The Secret Life of the American Musical. Okay. Uh, which is about the development of a lot of musicals you've heard of. But one of the, in the, in the intro, there's a really interesting bit. The guy who wrote it, whose name is escaping me, worked on Hairspray. And he talked about, he was a dramaturg on, on, on that and a producer. And he talks about how at the end of Hairspray, um, there's a big reveal where they're uh, sneaking onto the Corny Collins show and mm-hmm. there's a huge bottle of Hairspray, which clearly somebody's in. Yeah. And he was like, and when they open the hairspray, it's uh, um, Tracy, who's the main character. Mm-hmm. And the book writer was like, no, it's Harvey Firestein as Edna. And he went, but that doesn't make any sense. It needs to be our protagonist. Yeah. And the guy goes, I get that. But the audience <laughs> wants to see Harvey Firestein as Edna in that. Might not be good. It works. And he was just like, no, dramaturgically, <laughs> it has to be our protagonist. Yeah. It makes no sense for it to be the way. And the guy was like, I understand everything you're saying right now, and it's going to be Edna. Yep. And he was like, fine, whatever, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and they did the show, and the thing opens, and it's Harvey Firestein, and the audience went ballistic, and he went, oh, right, it's a show. Like, <laughs> these things have to be balanced. Not necessarily balance. rules of reality apply. Right, you have to, ba- or even good, like, good dramaturgical plot structure. Yeah. At the end of, like, that's what makes musicals weird, is that, it has to yeah. be dramaturgically sound. It is a play, but it's also a show in the sort of grand sense. Yes. And it's a comedy. And sometimes you have to make decisions that maybe aren't the most logical, yeah. but are what the audience wants. And I think What's Inside Love is one of those moments where, like, yes, it's subtext. Yes, I don't want to say it out loud. Yeah. But the audience, there's a certain portion of the audience, a majority, I think, who needs that release, who needs okay. you to say the word out loud so they can go, yeah. Okay. They want that excuse to leap up and go, okay. yay. And you're right. It's not the show I want to see. Yeah. It's not the show you want to see. But I think it's it's a tiny little sacrifice that yeah. needs to be made in this for the sake of like it's a damn musical. Especially because a lot of the like earlier in the in the musical, they do subtext pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like the first opening up is all like kind of double meanings about how secretly miserable they are. Like opening up is obviously opening up the restaurant, but right. also opening up, I'm gonna start to tell you how I feel and but stuff not like really. that. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think this show does uh, a lot this show is pretty good at not moralizing. At what a character is doing, like blurting it out loud, except for the there's a moment in the book later, but it, it's necessary for plot and still works. But it, it's not really people going, this is how we should all feel right now until the end. So I right. guess they had to store it up or something, but it's all just kind of like I said before, it's wrestling with the question of what's right for these people at this specific time. Mm-hmm. And that can change and that might not be they might be almost right, but a little off and like that state of going, I don't know, I think, mm-hmm. but. Is, is there pretty well and then at the end it's just fireworks go off and I'm like alright because it's a musical it's a musical <laughs> and sometimes you gotta light the fireworks sometimes you just gotta do it 
Uh, this is great, Alex. Yeah. Thank you so much. So where can people find you on the internet? I'm on at Afosella, A-F-O-S-S-E-L-L-A on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Alex Fasella on Instagram. You can also get me at Broadway Baby Pod. Is Broadway Baby? Yes, you run that. Sure. Right? I run that yeah, now. You run that Twitter. It was Kimberly and then became me. You can notice by the surge of Hamilton gifts. Yes, right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, the next episode's going to be... When's this going to drop? I don't exactly know. But okay. you guys come out every... Bi-monthly. So... Two, oh, two a month. Every, two week. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so our, yeah. our next couple are going to be Sunday in the Park with George is uh, end of March. Then we're doing Urinetown for April Fool's oh, Day. Oh, cool. Then we're doing Jesus Christ Superstar for Easter. Oh, there you are. And then I want to do Spring Awakening for May. So okay. That's the next slate. That's the next And run. Carousel in June, I think. All right. So. Yes, it's a fun show. I've been on it. You can start there if you want to. Yes. Uh, but that or chess not. episode was really fun. Uh, that was a lot of fun to do that. Absolutely. My son makes a guest appearance midway through. <laughs> Listen for it. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. My thanks to Alex Rosella for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs>